Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. And I have a little surprise for all of you listeners. We said you're listening to the future of the future with Game Changers, but this is technically the first episode of a new spin-off series that will be called Game Changers with Purpose. That's a clue what we're going to be talking about today. So let me get started. Let's see what the buzz is. Okay, I have a buzz quote from Sherry Hakimi. Uh, she was quoted in FastCompany.com. She's the co-founder of She Ventures, an organizational development firm. Look her up, H-A-K-I-M-I. Here's the quote. What makes some companies wildly successful while others flop? Starting and surviving in today's economy is hard, but the companies that figure it out have something in common, the pursuit of purpose, there's that word, alongside the pursuit of profit. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with business around the world. The world is chaotic, it's dynamic, it's changing. Whatever your business, your footprint, your maturity, people are either encroaching on your industry or competitors are doing it better, cheaper, faster. You may have supply chain issues. It's in chaos. How can you move forward, sustain your business, thrive, attract the right talent, attract the right customers, and build? Well, we'd like to say that if you become a purpose-infused and experience-led organization, then you can activate your North Star and be inspired and inspire everyone around you, and that, in turn get this, will drive profits and boost shareholder value. And that's the business part of the equation. So there was a recent study by the EY Beacon Institute that found that, quote, a clearly articulated and activated purpose helps organizations survive and thrive. And that's what we're talking about. So the question is, are you there yet? This episode is called Your North Star, Becoming a Purposeful Company. Welcome, welcome again. And let me tell you who my three special panelists are, and then we'll get started with their quotes. First up in a moment, I will be introducing you to Jeff Steer, S-T-I-E-R. He's a global architect of the purpose-led transformation at EY. Joining him on the panel, Shelly McKinley. She is the head of Microsoft's technology and corporate responsibility team. We'll be hearing from Shelly in a few minutes. And rounding out the panel is Jim Sullivan at SAP. When we get around to him, he'll tell me what his exact title is and what he's up to. I know he uh, he's a sports guy. We, we, we see that in the picture I've got in front of him. He's on a mountaintop somewhere. So we'll find out what his purpose was there. So welcome. And let's start off with Jeff Steer. Jeff has sent us a quote from Viktor Frankl. Reminder, if you don't know him, F-R-A-N-K-L, 1905 to 1997, he was an Austrian neurologist and a psychiatrist, as well as a Holocaust survivor. Frankel was the founder of Logotherapy, which is a form of existential analysis. It's called the Third Viennese School of Psychotherapy, and his best-selling book, you may know the title, Man's Search for Meaning, published under many different titles in 1946 and onward. So here is the quote, man's main concern is not to gain pleasure or to avoid pain, but rather to see a meaning in his life. Jeff Steer, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Good morning. I'm well. Good. 
morning. I'm glad you're well. Interesting quote from Viktor Frankl. Uh, anybody wants to look him up, he certainly has a very interesting history and background. But talk to me. Not to gain pleasure, not to avoid pain, and <laughs> lots of people think that's all there is, but to see a meaning in his life. Tell us how that relates to our topic. We're talking about purpose today. Jeff, go ahead. Yes, so today you introduced the co- the topic by talking about the disruption and the chaos that's going through this world. And it's true in, in business and in politics and in life, there's that everywhere. Um, when we look at what really matters, though, the reason human beings get up every day, why they want to go to work, why they want to live their lives, why they want to contribute to the world in some way, it's really about finding meaning. So I thought it was really interesting uh, with Victor, who survived the Holocaust uh, and had terrible pain, but also was able to see that there was a reason for that. And when he focused on finding that meaning in life, when he put aside that pain, when he said, it's not about financial gain or personal gain, it's about adding meaning to both my life and to others' life, uh, mm-hmm. that's what his discovery was. And that's what he made his mission in life to share with everyone else from then on out. So, so Jeff, would it be safe to say that the concept of purpose and meaning in life is not new? We have this mantra now, so many companies are talking about it, purpose, our topic today, the purposeful company, become a personal, a purposeful company implies that companies are not. But it's been around a long time, that sense of a quest of meaning. Any, any thoughts on that? Why it's so popular now in corporate and enterprise and startups? I have a company with purpose. I'm working for a company. Why is it so popular? Um, so great question. 50,000 years ago, during the Paleolithic era, um, human beings lived in tribes of about 150. Think of them as the earliest forms of organized social gatherings, which they were. Um, and in order to do well, in order to survive, they had a purpose. Uh, their purpose, in fact, was survival. And every single person within the tribe was focused 100% on that shared purpose, survival. And each of the jobs they did was equally important to survive. Sure, you had the CEO of the tribe, and you also had the shaman who had a job. You had the, mm-hmm. um, uh, the hunters who had to provide protein for the tribe, the gatherers, um, mostly women and children, who provided um, nutrition for the tribe. Um, and you also had the fire starter who kept the danger out from around this tribe when they slept at night by keeping the fire going. And no job was more important or less important than the other, and all of those jobs were in service to the purpose. And so anthropologically and biologically, purpose is part of our evolutionary DNA. And so what's happened today, um, Martin Luther King famously called that the laws of nature. Um, It's Mm -hmm. simply the way human beings are. In today's world, we are frequently looking at the laws of man, the, the business laws that we have created about the way we are going to work. And what's happened in a lot of the chaos is a split has occurred between the laws of man and the laws of nature. And what we're seeing is, um, after trying many, many things related to the laws of man in order to make your company successful, um, CEOs and C-suites are saying, what else can I do? And going back to the foundational evolutionary reasons that man existed and how we survived, why our branch right, of humanoids survived and Neanderthals didn't, is what purpose is all about. It's a, a very humanistic thing. And when you tap into all of the things that make people successful, right, remember, 100% of your employees, 100% of your customers, 100% of your partners, 100% of your investors all have one thing in common. They're human beings. 
and the biology and psychology of the way the brain works and what motivates human beings is the same today as it was 50,000 years ago. So it's not new, but it's something that's being rediscovered and applied to business in a new way. Thank you, Jeff. Very eloquent, and I, I appreciate that. I was just curious because, you know, these, these buzz things happen. You say, wow, purpose, it's time. Well, hey, what, what, how many centuries ago did we start this? And it kind of took a break. So thank you so much. Pleasure to have you on, and we'll be talking a lot more with you later. And now let me introduce another. By the way, all three panelists are brand new to Game Changers. Shelly McKinley, as I said, works at Microsoft, and she'll tell us a little bit later what Microsoft's CELA team is all about. And Shelly has sent us a quote from Steve Gleason. I had no clue who he was. So I looked him up. He's around, born in 1977, a very young guy. Stephen Michael Gleason, former professional American football player who played as a safety with the New Orleans Saints of the National Football League, NFL. He's well known for his blocked punt. I hope you're impressed, Shelley. His blocked punt in a 2006 <laughs> game that became a symbol of recovery. New Orleans in the team's first home game after Hurricane Katrina. However, he revealed that he's suffering from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, in 2011, and he has uh, captured his progress with the disease in a video featured in the documentary in 2016, Gleason. So sad to hear that. But here is the quote Shelley has picked. Can't wait to hear how you relate this to our topic. Excuse me. Quote from Steve Gleason. It is not going to be easy, but it's going to be awesome. Awesome ain't easy. Shelley McKinley, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Hi, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Tell me yeah. about this quote. I love the quote. <laughs> it's always great when a woman gives you a football quote, isn't it? Um, and, and <laughs> yes. A football fan, um, and, but I, I do think it's really hard to not be inspired by his story. As you oh, mentioned, yeah. he was a safety for the New Orleans Saints who blocked that punt um, in the team's first home game after Hurricane Katrina, and it really did become a symbol for the city's recovery and its triumph over adversity. Um, And then as he was diagnosed with ALS, um, that meant that he was going to lose his mobility and even his ability really to speak. Um, But even faced with this, he really hasn't given up. And in fact, he is an inspirational symbol to people everywhere uh, with his fight. Um, And he decided that he was going to uh, live his life to the fullest. Um, And he's worked with companies like Microsoft um, and mm-hmm. others to take back really what ALS has taken from him in the way that he can. Mm. Um, and doing this, he's really been an inspiration to others um, and helped push people to make advances in technology to do things like control a PC with your eyes to be able to communicate. Oh. And so it's not easy what he does, um, but he's certainly determined, and what he's done is awesome, and it's going to help millions of people around the world. So it's easy to find purpose uh, as a company when you're helping someone like Steve Gleason. And Shelly, I just looked him up on Twitter, which I should have done before the show. I'm tweeting your quote, and his Twitter handle is at Team Gleason, and here is his description. I'm going to try not to cry. Dad, husband, inspiring people to live with purpose, Steve tweets with his eyes, ALS. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Some of his YouTube videos, it's pretty amazing. I will. I absolutely will. Very, very amazing and awesome, actually, which goes to the quote. So thank you. There are all kinds of ways of looking at purpose, aren't there, Shelley? It can be somebody in a C-suite saying, yeah, our company needs to have purpose. Nobody wants to work with us and nobody wants to buy our stock because we don't have this goal and the same. Or it could be just somebody saying, dang, I have to reconfigure my life, my family's life, my career, figure out a new way, and now I have a different kind of a purpose. So thank you so much. That was certainly the, the quote that gave 
save the pause, and I appreciate that. We're going to be hearing a lot more from you in a few minutes. And now we turn to Jim Sullivan at SAP. Jim, quickly tell me what your full title is, please. Sure. I currently uh, head up a global uh, sustainability center of excellence at SAP, which uh, our role is to really embed environment and social uh, considerations uh, more deeply within our core uh, product offerings. Thank you very much. Wanted to have that in there. And now you have sent me a quote from, and this is tough, tough to interpret this name, uh, Wislava Simborska. And her full name is Maria V with a W, Vistava Anna Simborska, 1923 to 2012. She was a Polish poet, essayist, translator, and recipient of the 1996 Nobel Prize in Literature. I've never heard of her. In Poland, her book sales rivaled prominent prose authors, but she once remarked famously uh, in a poem, some like poetry, she said, not more than two out of a thousand people care for the art of poetry. I thought that was very, very interesting. Her work has been translated into English, European languages, Arabic, Hebrew, Japanese, Persian, and Chinese. So uh, here is the quote. I like being near the top of a mountain. One can't get lost here. Fascinating quote. Jim, I think I saw you in your picture you sent me at the top of a mountain. Where were you? And tell me why the quote resonated with you. I think we know. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. First of all, thanks so much uh, for having uh, me on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with Jeff and uh, Shelly, and really excited about the first uh, Game Changers with Purpose um, yes. broadcast, so I uh, really Good. appreciate that. Um, the quote resonates, I think, with two reasons. One is, uh, you know, obviously on a metaphorical level, climbing a mountain, doing something hard, but uh, more personally, uh, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York and spent a lot of time outdoors, uh, especially with winter sports, hockey, skiing, uh, and really uh, enjoyed that as part of uh, my youth and growing up. And as I found purpose uh, early in life and looking at jobs and roles, uh, that, you know, the fact of kind of resource uh, issues and climate change and many of these environmental concerns came to the top of um, uh, my list of purpose. I wanted my kids and future generations to have the same opportunities that, uh, that I did. Uh, so that uh, particular picture, I believe, was in... Uh, Austria, and there's a guy there uh, named Patrick that, uh, you know, I've become good friends with, and he has been a multi-generational mountain guide and is able to, you know, view the glaciers retreating on a year-by-year basis, and we often have conversations wondering, uh, you know, what, what his life is going to be like and what his kid's life is going to be like in 20 years, so it really ties to my personal uh, purpose, and then secondly, it really ties to kind of short-termism versus long-termism. And I think when you're mm-hmm. uh, at the top of a mountain or out of the trees or out of the weeds, so to speak, you can really see pretty clearly and you can see a long-term direction. And I think that uh, is an incredibly important metaphor for, uh, for business on this, uh, this topic. Thank you very much. And we are pleased to have the three of you. Uh, interestingly enough, um, Brad Borkin and his team, Brad sponsors and Susan Walker at SAP, they sponsored the future of the future. And they approached me recently and said, purpose, big word here. And, and Jeff Steer, you know what I'm talking about. Big word this year. SAP is embracing purpose. We hear it from our CEO all the time. So why don't we start a spinoff series? And we just didn't get the, the new landing page up fast enough, but this show will be moved over to that. So this really is the inauguration of a 
brand new concept in Game Changers, and I'm so pleased to have the three of you. Let's see now. Uh, it's time for a couple of up-close and personal questions, but I promised my panelists not too up-close and not too personal, so let's see how you answer them. Jeff Steer, question number one, where are you calling from? And question number two, what powers you to be so smart and so purposeful in terms of what's in your cup today that you love, or if not so much, what would you rather be drinking maybe after the show? Jeff Steer, go ahead. Yes, thanks, Bonnie. So I am calling from New York City, Times Square, the center of Manhattan to be exact, on the uh, uh, 20th floor of the EY building. So um, here in my office, and I actually have right next to me what I'm drinking. It's um, called Wheatgrass with Love. It's a product of a company called Juice Press, which recently opened a store next to the gym I belong to, an Equinox gym. And Wheatgrass with Love includes pineapple, wheatgrass, and ginger. And um, why I'm drinking it is because... You know, one of the things, uh, one of my roles at EY and one of my roles as a uh, husband and a father is to be healthy um, so I can help the people in my care, on my team and our organization fulfill what we're coming to work every day to do. I can help my children fulfill that. I can help uh, my wife fulfill her mission for us as parents. And so um, it's not always easy being healthy when you travel as a consultant as I do. And um, the Juice Press Wheatgrass with Love is one of the small things I try and do uh, to help keep myself healthy every day so I can fulfill my personal purpose, which is to tenaciously nurture can do so that people have the courage to reach for their unique remarkable. Wow, that that packed a punch. That's a quotable, unique, remarkable. Uh, Jeff, I looked up Wheatgrass with Love, and I found an interesting blog called livingmaxwell.com by, I don't know who it is, I'll tell you in a moment, but he says he has a love-distaste affair with wheatgrass. I love the incredible health benefits of wheatgrass. Blood purifier neutralizes toxins. High alkalinity, rich in chlorophyll, stimulates metabolism, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, and the list goes on, but a taste is not easy on the palate. How do you take it? Do you, uh, do you find it's uh, easy or not so much? It, it, it's not so much. Uh, it goes back to Viktor Frankl again, right? Uh, it's not to gain <laughs> pleasure or pain, but to see the meaning in life. So yes, a little bit of tartness and a little bit of uh, hardness when it going down uh, is part of the medicine for me to create more meaningful life. There you go. And it was written by Max Goldberg on May 11, 2011, and the title is Living Maxwell. That's his blog, and it's My Taste, My Love Distaste Affair with Wheatgrass. I am in love again. There you go. We'll just leave that one alone. Thought you'd get a kick out of that. And now let's go to Shelly McKinley. And Shelly, I'd love to know where you're calling from today, and what do you love to drink the most? And tell us what CELA is, and not in that particular order. Go ahead, Shelly. All right. Well, it's just a bit after 7 here in Seattle, um, and at this time of the morning, I normally haven't even really had my first cup of coffee yet, but um, I am currently working probably on my second cup this morning. Um, what I would rather be drinking um, after the last couple of snowy weeks um, in Seattle mm. rather than sitting in a dark conference room um, early in the morning would be a Chilton um, and a Chilton is described as a bracy, bracing lemony cocktail, um, and it was created in Lubbock, Texas. I'm from Texas, not Lubbock, but um, the cocktail spread all over Texas, um, and it reminds me of those nice spring and fall warm days when you can be outside with your friends having a nice drink on the terrace. 
And I'm looking at the recipe. Rim a highball glass with salt, fill with ice, add one and a half ounces of vodka, the juice of two lemons, fill the glass with soda water, stir gently, garnish with a lemon wheel or wedge. Is that it, the Chilton? That's it. And I would say it was created by a doctor. Um, so I think it probably also meets the requirements of being healthy. <laughs> oh, you're good. You are really good. Really good. Now, tell me, what is, what is Microsoft CELA? That's what you told me when we met about a week ago. Yes. CELA is our department that's called Corporate, External, and Legal Affairs. So we are a combination of lawyers, government affairs people, some technologists, policy people, and um, people like myself in corporate social responsibility. Thank you very much. And is purpose something that's a new concept where you work at Microsoft, Shelley, or is it something that's been rolling around for a while? No, it's something that's been rolling around for quite a while. Um, in fact, um, our mission statement now is a very purpose-driven mission statement. Um, in, in, the, in the old days, we had a mission that was to put a, a, a computer on every desktop. Um, and today, our mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Um, and so this is something I would say that, you know, our mission statement in some ways is trailing a trailing indicator of what we're doing at the company. Um, I think in some ways it's, it's kind of, um, you know, a few years old to really be talking about whether or not uh, a company has a purpose, but sort of what mm -hmm. that purpose is and what you're doing about it. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And now Jim Sullivan, the man from the mountain, why don't you tell us where you are and what you love to drink? Hey, buddy. I'm uh, calling in from Bethesda, Maryland, just outside of uh, Washington, uh, D.C., and I'm finding it's really tough to go after Shelley. She's got some great, uh, great responses, <laughs> but uh, it, is, uh, it is morning here, so I am drinking coffee because um, I am uh, a little bit uh, hooked on caffeine, but it's not just any coffee. It's, uh, it's roasted by a company called uh, Blue Bottle. And I got excited about this uh, maybe about 10 years ago when I was in San Francisco and doing a lot of, uh, a lot of trips out to uh, Silicon Valley and uh, found uh, some of the best-tasting coffee I'd ever had out there. And they recently opened an outpost in, uh, uh, in D.C. in Georgetown a couple of months ago. So that was a really good uh, find for me. And then the show happened to be about purpose. So as I looked into this company and their background... Um, this is a company for, you know, the geeks out on coffee. Uh, they started with a very singular purpose of, you know, delivering beans roasted within 48 hours to individual people from the back of a station wagon. Uh, and if you go to their website now, they've fully expanded on that purpose and that mission, uh, depending on different uh, single-origin coffees and brew methods and uh, everything else. And over the years, they've, uh, they've got a couple of infusions of, uh, of capital from the BC communities. Uh, mm -hmm. And Nestle has really recently <clears throat> taken a, a large ownership uh, stake um, to mm -hmm. expand uh, the company. So it's really uh, uh, exciting to see not only that it's a purpose-based company, but there's significant financing behind it. And it's a company that provides really one of the best products in the area, and by the way, it also happens to, you know, have some good associated with it. So it took me digging through probably about 20 or 30 uh, FAQs on the website to find out that all of the U.S. origin coffee is organic. 85% of their, their total supply chain is organic, and, um, you know, it's really about the best product. Uh, and then the, the additional sustainability and purpose aspects come through um, only if you ask. 
Thank you, Jim. Very interesting. I looked it up, and there's a little blurb here on Wikipedia that says, in 2017, a majority stake in the company was acquired by Nestle, and Blue Bottle Coffee is considered a major player in what's called third-wave coffee. Anybody can look that up. Uh, Blue Bottle Coffee, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on their own website. It's bluebottlecoffee.com. Don't you just love long URLs that nobody took before a company needed them for their own branding? I like that a lot. Well, guess what? The three of you, you don't know me, and I know you a little better, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And Tuesday is a doubleheader. An hour after we're done, I'm back on the air with another another Game Changer series. So all I'm allowed to have is Cool Clear water in my Cool Clear mug, and I have a yellow straw because finally here in Durham, North Carolina, after days of rain, the sun is shining again, and I think the yellow straw brought it out. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that. To our listeners, you're listening to uh, an episode of our new series to be called Game Changers with Purpose, but you're listening to it in the time slot for the future of the future. But we're talking about today. What is purpose? What do companies need to do to either get on board the purpose bandwagon or just forget about the bandwagon? Just find out what is your why? Why are you here? What are you doing for the world? Profit's great, but we are finding that companies with a bigger purpose than just the bottom line will have a better bottom line. Speaking today with three experts on this topic, Jeff Steer at EY, Shelley McKinley at Microsoft, Jim Sullivan at SAP. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know who you are. We'll be right back. 90 seconds. Count them with us. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. 
Yes, indeed. The future of the future is purpose. Is your company a purpose-driven, purpose-led company? We're talking today with Jeff Steer at EY, Shelly McKinley at Microsoft, and Jim Sullivan at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. And we're going to start our roundtable, quote-unquote, in earnest with some information that Jeff Steer sent me before the show. Here's what Jeff said. I'm quoting him. In 1959, Everett Rogers, a rural sociologist at Ohio State University, discovered, listen to this, the law of diffusion of innovation made famous by Malcolm Gladwell in his book, The Tipping Point, and Jeffrey Moore in Crossing the Chasm. The law of diffusion also explains the science of how social movements start, accelerate, and are sustained. Jeff, why don't you expand this for us, please, and, and help us figure this out. Go ahead, Jeff. Sure. So purpose-infused organizations, what does that really mean? What it really means is that a company makes a decision that they want to interact in a new way with all of their human constituents, employees, their customers, um, their investors, and their media. And when a company makes that decision of a new way of interacting, there are generally six different points of interaction. So human to human, how leaders and managers interact with their employees and their customers, tools and technology, how you build your websites and apps and things like that, your advertising and marketing, the process by which you actually interact with people, um, what happens when someone calls into call center, for example, um, the design of your products and services that you're going to give to the world, uh, and then your environment. Um, When a company makes the decision to be purpose-infused and change those interaction points, one of the things that has to happen is the human beings who are interacting with the company have to adopt that. And Everett Rogers looked at this in the farming community and, and declared the law of diffusion of innovation, which is basically a law that says there are different personas in every human population, starting with early adopters and innovators, then the early majority, the late majority, and the laggards. And each of those different personas has a different risk profile and a different trust profile for adopting change. And the speed with which adoption occurs is different within each of those communities. And so if you are going to be a purpose-infused organization, the law of diffusion of of innovation is important because it explains and creates a strategy for how you might drive adoption of that change within your different human constituents. So what does that mean? What it means in practical application is that rather than trying to get everyone in your, in your sphere of influence to change, start by identifying the early adopters and innovators. Um, by identifying the early adopters and innovators, what you do is you empower them, and then they will tell their friends, the people who trust them, and they will get their friends who might have been on the fence beforehand about changing to then in turn change and so on and so on and so on. And that's what happens with the tipping point. Now, um, Everett Rogers, as part of the law, discovered that once you get 15 to 18 percent of any population to adopt, the rest will tip. And that's what Malcolm Mm. Gladwell talks about in his book. So does Jeffrey Moore. And so an effective change strategy for organizations who do want to become purpose-infused is to get the early adopters and innovators to be on board and let them make the change from the bottom up as opposed to a top-down edict or directive. Very interesting social dynamics there. Shelley McKinley at Microsoft, love to get your thoughts, please. Sure. I think, you know, that resonates with me for sure. Um, 
in that, um, you know, really kind of anytime you're driving, driving change in an organization, you've got to have that critical mass of people who are behind it. But what's also been interesting for us is uh, the external factors that have really helped us understand um, the, the importance of pursuing a purpose. Uh, when you're out in, for example, the sales force and you are dealing with customers and the public every day who are asking you these questions on what you're doing to impact society, that really helps people get on board. So you have not only internal um, influences, but you also have external forces that are really helping shape what you're doing as a company. Thank you very much, and let's get Jim Sullivan to chime in here. Jim, law of diffusion, you observing it, you seeing it, you living it. What do you think, agree or disagree? I am, uh, I am living it uh, at the moment. Uh-huh. So it, it, SAP, our, um, our vision is to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And I would say, um, you know, from an executive standpoint, it's incredibly well understood, and the strategy is incredibly well understood, and we have, I would say, you know, out of our uh, 80,000 employees, thousands and thousands of examples of uh, these purpose-led innovations that are happening. But the, the question is, how do you really diffuse it into the entire culture and have every employee have that as part of their their day-to-day uh, job in terms of what they're developing or what their um, role is? And I think uh, it, it's uh, an exciting time to be uh, be doing that. And I think one of the biggest challenges we'll probably get into later is you know, what purpose is and language and how you can describe that to people. Because if, if you think about purpose or sustainability, it can really be a lot of things to a lot of people. So how do you uh, embed that within uh, the culture of what our purpose is? And then, uh, as Jeff was saying earlier, for each individual employee, how does their purpose help participate and drive the uh, the corporate purpose forward? Thank you very much, Jeff. I'm going to let you wrap this one up if you'd like to. And Shelly, if you have anything to say about what Jim added, now's the time to jump in. But let's see where we want to finish this up, and then I'm going to pick a topic from Shelly's list. So, uh, Jeff, Shelly, anybody want to chime in before I move? Go ahead. Sure. One one, one last thing. Um, the law of diffusion of innovation as applied to organizations really is about how to turn your organization into a social movement. And this idea of how do I make my company become a movement, uh, a movement of inspiration where, uh, as Shelley pointed out, customers, consumers, people on the outside feel like they want to participate with you because they believe in what you believe in, as our friend Simon Sinek says. A social movement internally where the employees are inspired to come to work every day feel safe when they're there and fulfilled when they go home at night. Um, so the idea of turning your organization to a social movement using purpose as an accelerator and the law of diffusion of innovation as a change strategy is really a, um, a, a concept that many, many CEOs now and, uh, and boards are adopting. Thank you very much. Shelley, speaking of you, I'm looking at your notes here, and, and uh, I have something here I'd like to go to right now, and it harks back slightly, well, more than slightly, to the quote you shared with us from Steve Gleason. Let me read this, and then you can comment. Shelley told me before the show, quote, <clears throat> at least a billion people in the world live with some disability. The aging process ensures that the rest of us will have a disability at some point in our lives, hearing, eyesight, mobility, just to name a few. Technology has the opportunity to empower people with disabilities to achieve more, but it also has the ability to disempower people if we don't design it with people with disabilities in mind. So let's talk about this as an example of purpose. Shelley, talk to me, please. 
Yeah, so in the field of accessibility, it's actually really easy to find purpose. Um, and as we were talking about how important it is to get your entire company on board, what I found is that once you start talking about it as a company, you're going to find a staggering number of people around you who every day are impacted by some form of disability, whether it's their own disability or it's that of a friend, a relative, a spouse, or a parent, or a child. Um, and as you, as you noted, at least a billion people in the world do have some disability, and there are also so many invisible disabilities, whether that's autism, mental illness, or, or others. Um, and as you noted, the aging process, um, as my chief accessibility officer always likes to say, don't worry, you're coming quickly behind me. Um, our hearing <laughs> goes, our eyesight goes, and our mobility goes. Um, and so given these staggering statistics, um, and the staggering unemployment uh, rate of people with disabilities, uh, it just becomes such an important um, opportunity as a company really to come together and try to help solve the problem for people. Uh, it benefits um, people in so many ways. Um, it also, frankly, when you think about um, what you need to do as a company and deliver as a company, when we're designing for people um, that have all forms of abilities, we're also designing for everyone. The other night, actually yesterday, we had a, um, the deaf singer Mandy Harvey um, on campus at, mm -hmm. um, at Microsoft. She competed on American Idol. I don't know if you've seen yeah. her. If you haven't, you should look I her have. on YouTube right away. I have. Um, she was on The Voice, well, too. She was on The Voice. She was on, The Voice. Uh, no, America's Got the Talent. The tall one. I don't... America's Got Idol Talent. Follower, yeah. Yes. Um, America's Got Talent, yes. That's it. Um, mm hmm uh, well, when, when we were talking to her yesterday and trying to um, uh, get some ideas on, you know, what technology advances she would wish for, uh, for music um, so that she could experience music, she was talking about creating things in new ways, like using color uh, to show what music looks like so she could visualize it and have the experience with you, um, expressing it more visually. And I thought, well, wow, guess what? I'd like that too. Um, so when you're, when you're helping design for people with, with some sort of disabilities, you're also actually helping design for the rest of the planet. So it makes a lot of good sense. Um, and as I mentioned, it is something that as a company, as a society, um, people can really get behind because it touches all of us in some way. Thank you very much. Very Yes, Mandy Harvey, beautiful singer. I remember her very well from last season's uh, America's Got Talent, and they told her story of how she lost her hearing very, very early and the way she learned. And I think she was the third runner-up, something like that, Shelley. Do you remember? Third or fourth? fourth? Yeah, I think. Fourth, yeah. yeah. Beautiful young woman, and her singing it was divine. I, nobody in the audience... Uh -huh walked away without goosebumps or tears after listening to her. It was, it was love. It was quite a season, actually. Jim Sullivan, let's get you to chime in here talking about technology, people with disabilities, empowering technology to empower people for purpose. Jim, what do you see? Exactly. So I, I would, um, you know, agree with uh, Shelley in, uh, in terms of technology, how it can enable uh, people, but I, I want to talk about corporate culture for a minute. As we at SAP really aspire to be a business beyond bias, is how can you create kind of the spell check from the hiring to the uh, promotion to the uh, to the retirement process throughout the organization uh, in a consistent way? So it includes things around gender intelligence, uh, cross generational, having uh, many different generations working together. Uh, overall culture of the company, and uh, you'd mentioned autism. There's uh, one program we're really uh, proud of around autism at work, and it started as a pilot program allowing mm -hmm. 
um, uh, people on the spectrum to come in and uh, help code uh, around our uh, products. And it, it has since moved from well beyond the pilot program to incorporating uh, differently able people throughout a lot of different uh, parts of the development uh, organization. And we're up to uh, a goal of about 650 uh, coders and developers uh, working with us by, uh, by 2020. So it was, again, one of these really good ideas that started at a site and uh, went from a pilot to now being rolled out on a more uh, international uh, level as part of that overall business beyond bias uh, aspiration. Jim, did you happen to see the segment on CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Pauley a week ago about SAP's uh, banner program about uh, hiring people with autism on the spectrum? I don't know if you saw that. It was I was so proud. I was absolutely proud to watch it, and uh, a couple people were tweeting about it, so I, I uh, liked their tweets. But it was if you didn't see it, go take a look at it. It was extremely exactly. well done, beautifully done. And I was, uh, I was a, a host of a panel of three customers in Newtown Square about four years ago, and I followed Shaquille Boudry at SAP on stage, and I was invited to sit with him and some other people at a wonderful dinner for analysts came from all over the world to hear this panel. It was quite an honor to be invited to host it based on my work on Game Changers Radio, and I remember sitting next to a consultant whose son was a uh, tech genius who was high-end on the autism spectrum, and he was saying he hoped SAP would hire his son. So we had quite an interesting conversation about that at the dinner table. Just a sidebar there. Jeff Steer didn't mean to steer you in the wrong direction, but Jeff, love to get your thoughts on on what Shelley brought up about tech and disabilities and purpose. What do you observe at EY? Sure. So I want to bring us back to the science of purpose, which is the science of human beings. And uh, Shelley's example is, uh, is awesome to understand why we feel so good when we help other people and why we feel so good when we use the resources we have as organizations, in this case technology, to help other people. And it goes back to what it means to be human, right? Human beings are social animals. That's the way we are at our best. When we are at our best, we work together together. We trust and cooperate, um, and we help other people overcome obstacles. It makes us feel good. If you go to TEDTalk.com or TEDx.com and search on any of the TED Talks about bringing, bringing meaning and happiness into your life, the mm-hmm. single unifying theme around there is when you help other people. Um, it's why doing gracious acts makes us feel good. And in fact, it not only makes us feel good, when you observe someone else doing a gracious act, a little serotonin or dopamine is released in your brain, and it makes you feel good when you see someone else doing it. So I love the example because it's one of many, um, and this one's really, really important, of the ways in which organizations can Activate purpose. And activating purpose means aligning your technology, aligning your environments, aligning all of the things you do in service to other people, whether it's your employees or your customers or someone who's not even related to you but in the community. So it's a really great example of um, purposeful activation and also of how the science behind it works and some of the ways to look and understand that perception matters here. When you perceive that you're doing something good, when someone on the other side perceives it, it actually means you are doing good. 
Thank you very much. Shelly, this was your topic and obviously a very, sure. very deep one that everybody embraced. Anything you want to wrap up before I move to something from yeah, Jim's would, list? Yeah, I would say that, you know, uh, the, the autism hiring program that we have at Microsoft is something that, um, you know, that I know you also have it at SAP and that I think we've worked together on and mm-hmm. we're both featured in that, yep. in that story. Um, and it just really makes you feel great. Um, the reality is that our employees expect us to do things. Um, that have that find purpose. Um, our shareholders expect it, and our customers expect it. And we know that that trend isn't going in any other direction. And the bottom line is, it actually makes a lot of business sense. It makes our products better, uh, enables us to uh, hire and retain better employees, um, and it makes us all want to come to work in the morning. And isn't that a nice thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing, actually? <laughs> Maybe not at 7 a.m. next time, but I love being here. <laughs> well, we will invite you back, but maybe on a different show that's an hour later. That's the best I could do. Our latest show. Well, actually, we have a show at 12, but that, that's not for you. So listen, I'm ready to move on. We, we appreciate you. Uh, I'm ready to move on to a topic here. I think it's time to talk about specific products. We have just a few minutes before we go to our crystal ball predictions round. But Mr. Jim Sullivan sent me a very interesting set of myths versus facts. And Jim, here's one. I don't know if we'll have time to go around the table, but I love this. Let me read a little and have you talk about it please you say myth number two more sustainable products do not perform well as in greener versus better let me just read a little the definition of a quote more sustainable unquote product has changed over time as have common consumer perceptions meaning greener equals more costly worse performing and Jim says when you change language from identifying an echo product to identifying a product with higher societal impact, perceptions can be radically shifted. Jim, you gave me a, a, an example here of a temp, hemp, hemp, H-E-M-P sandal versus a running shoe. Come on, let's have this. Talk to us. What is this all about? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to paint a picture of that one, uh, buddy. Yeah. I, um, you know, I gave you a first example with, uh, with Blue Bottle Coffee, where the sustainability attributes are very, very much secondary and buried in the weeds over this is the best performing product. And um, the idea would be if you ask consumers or people in general what they think of is an eco product or a sustainable product, you'll typically get an answer. As you said, it's worse performing, it's more costly. And uh, I'll put up a slide in a view of what people would think of as, um, you know, maybe a hemp sandal uh, versus a modern running shoe and say, which is the eco product? And invariably, people will point to the, the sandal and go, oh, it looks eco. Um, but if you change the question to which has had uh, more of a societal impact and you look at the running shoe uh, with technology, it's helped Olympic athletes shave seconds off of their time to win gold medals. It's reduced manufacturing waste by 60%. It's something that people actually want to buy, and it's helping the company that produces it get to a goal of zero waste from, uh, from facilities. And it's really... Um, you know, helped a number of brands uh, grow to billion-dollar-plus companies based on the fact that it's not an eco-product, but it's a product that is the best product in category or very good that really also has um, sustainability attributes. And there's a great book out there by a friend, uh, Freya uh, Williams, called Green Giants that documents this rise of, uh, you know, what she calls a mature business, a billion-dollar-plus business that's built on this uh, this idea that the product can be incredibly well-performing and also have attributes that uh, improve uh, societal impact. 
Thank you very, very, very interesting. And and you mentioned here, um, however, the running shoe is used to help Olympic athletes shave precious seconds off their time to win gold while reducing manufacturing waste by 60% toward a goal of zero waste. Uh, anyway, very, very interesting about the Echo product versus, yes, the, the hemp sandal. And I can't it, even it say really that properly. The Jeff's law of diffusion is that, you yes. know, if we get the 1%, we're not really changing, you know, the world. You need to or the 20 or the uh, the 50 percent to get to a tipping point and those are the uh, the efforts and the products that really uh, really can help make a difference globally very interesting so so everybody would say oh I gotta have the hemp sandal and you I, I wish <laughs> I could say that Jim. I never thought this would be con- confounding my tongue uh, versus the running shoe which is actually very very echo friendly and doing a great job fascinating that's all about and, perception I think the M word marketing has to sneak in on that one a little bit let me quickly go to you know what we we don't have time to go around the table on that but I am very grateful for the for the opportunity to talk about that Jim Mr. Jeff Steer at EY it's time for our crystal ball predictions round and what i need from you is i'm going to give you a big generous 60 seconds jeff and i know you like to talk but let's see how tight you can come in i'm giving you about 90 in my mind but i'm going to give you 60 on air let's see i want to know what will change about this topic becoming a purposeful company we didn't even talk about the definition of north star but maybe that's a part two in a couple months that i'd be happy to invite you all back shelly it will be for a later show i promise so jeff 60 seconds use them well go ahead predict Sure. I think that today the primary focus for most organizations becoming purposeful is the words that they say. Um, As we move forward over the next several years, companies are going to start putting into practice those words. So it's not what you say, it's what you do. The old cliche is true. Um, You know, walk the talk. And um, how they do that is in addition to being about communication strategy and how they're talking about it internally and externally, but it's also, as Jim just pointed out, how they're finding its way into your manufacturing, how you're treating your people, um, how you're dealing with your communities, and in totality, the doing then creates a new mindset and a mind shift. And more and more organizations over the coming years are going to say, it's yes about what we say, but most importantly, it's the journey we're going on, the long-term journey about how we change what we do to really live into what our purpose and our vision means. Thank you very much. Very eloquent. I think that was about 62 seconds. No, I wasn't timing you. Shelly McKinley, love for have you. Let's see, Shelly. He was so good. I can give you a real 90 seconds. Go ahead, Shelly. Be my guest. Predict. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, I, I really do wish I had a crystal ball so I could look into the future. Um, but what I hope in the next couple of years is that summarily we will not be discussing whether a purpose and whether a corporate social responsibility makes business sense. I hope we'll instead be focused on the what we're doing and not the whether uh, we should do it. Um, as a society, we've got some massive uh, problems to solve. And going forward for us in the technology industry, I think we're going to continue to see significant advances that are going to disrupt and even disrupt today's disruptors. Um, If you think about how Uber and FedEx and others are going to be disrupted by autonomous vehicles um, and what that means for the people who actually drive those cars today, Um, but what it also means from a benefit perspective for people today who can't drive themselves and the positive impacts on the environment. Um, Of course, we know that's going to result in changes to the economy and and job losses and the need to reskill and train people. And so I think that our our ability to really be successful as a society long-term is going to require us 
to be purpose-driven, to work together, to inspire each other, um, and really to do our part um, so that everyone has the opportunity to take advantage of what the, the opportunity that the future provides. Thank and you, Shelley. Very yes, It's not going yes. to be easy, but it is going to be awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> awesome isn't easy. Yes, yes, yes. I like that. I got to I gotta get out the crochet, the crochet hook. I got some red yarn here. We're going to crochet that somewhere. Jim Sullivan, I know you've been waiting patiently. I have a whole, oh my, you know what, Jim? They were so good on time. I can give you 90 seconds plus a little bit. Use it well. Go ahead, Jim. Sure. So I think, um, you know, to wrap up, I think, uh, you know, the key takeaway is that there are megatrends going on that uh, are not going to change. Uh, there's population growth. The population has doubled uh, since I've been born. We're going to add another billion people by 2030. Uh, there's climate uh, disruption. 17 of the last uh, warmest um, of the last 18 years are the warmest uh, on record. There's uh, resource scarcity. Uh, you know, by adding those billion people, we're going to need 30 percent more food, 40 percent more water, 50 percent more energy uh, by 2030. And you know, on the technology side, there's cloud, there's hyperconnectivity, there's real-time business, there's uh, AI and machine learning uh, for a smarter world. So all of these trends are not going away. They're accelerating. And I think there are three really takeaways that, that um, I would have for this call. One is uh, authenticity, is companies mm-hmm. need to not just talk about purpose, but be authentic and live the purpose. And I think that'll be a next trend of, of separating out the, uh, you know, maybe the purpose-washing uh, from the companies that are really doing it. Uh, the second one is collaboration, is no one business can do this alone. Uh, and we are working very closely with uh, our partners, Microsoft, uh, as, uh, as Shelley said, with our partners, EY. As Jeff said, and these problems are just too massive to uh, to go it alone. So it takes cross-company, cross-industry, uh, cross-geography uh, collaborations. And the final thing is scale. As I mentioned on some of those products, uh, we really need – these megatrends are huge, and we need solutions that are able to scale on a global level to uh, to begin to solve some of these problems. Those are really my three takeaways, authenticity, collaboration, and, uh, and scale for the future trends. Hey. You. Thank you. Beautifully done. I have to do a shout out to our three panelists. You were all wonderful, extraordinary, really appreciate all of your insights. Jeff Steer at EY, Shelley McKinley at Microsoft, and Shelley, a shout out to Jennifer Kreider, your colleague, who was uh, helpful along the way getting you on board with us. Thank you for that. Jim Sullivan at SAP, shout out to Brad Bork, and Lisa Chalmers was also very helpful in putting the show together. And of course, a shout out to our young but very venerable, I know those are contradictory, engineer at World Talk Radio the business channel Aaron Keller always appreciate him so here's my call to action and by the way it's almost 11 a.m. Eastern at 12 noon I'll be back with a new episode live of financial excellence with game changers talking about machine learning and finance and the topic is officially if my my scroll will go up here oh come on word you can do it here we go process automation taking it to the new level that's the next level okay so here's my call to action finally fasten your seatbelt do it on purpose. Put it on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jeff Steer, just like Shelley McKinley, just like Jim Sullivan. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. I'll be back in an hour. Catch me here. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.